Hello and welcome to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today. Your co-hosts, Valian Likely and Catherine Lotzbeach. Welcome back to Millennial Ag, where we are at episode seven. Um, thank you for tuning in if you've been with us this whole time, and welcome to Millennial Ag if this is your first time listening to us. Um, Valine and I have been traveling the last couple weeks, and we are delighted to um, have a little bit of routine back to be able to record our podcast. And this week, we are really excited to welcome our second guest, Lori Likely. Val? Yes, I'm excited to um, be in Idaho this week, and I have my mom, Lori Likely, here with me. Um, I've had the privilege of watching her take on a variety of new roles and starting out in the beef world um, and doing leadership through the Beef Council, the Idaho Cattle Association, and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And most recently, she has um, been elected into the State House of Representatives um, in the state of Idaho. So it's been, I've been very blessed to have somebody to look up to and a role model um, and thought it'd be a good opportunity to get her take on millennials and get some advice from her as well. So with that, Mom, Lori, would you like to do a quick introduction of yourself? Well, ladies, thank you so much for having me on your uh, Millennial Ag podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. And, you know, I think I would be remiss if I did not say that I think the most rewarding part of my entire life has been raising raising my kids as well as raising cows. I've been fond of say, saying, you know, when asked what I do, you know, raising kids and cows and in that order. And I'm very quick to, you know, correct young mothers who say they're just a mom, that they have the most important job in the world. And I hope that if anything comes out of this conversation today, I hope that uh, that young ladies and, and young families out there recognize that their commitment to raising their family is most important. But I have been um, very fortunate to be involved um, in the beef industry from a very young age. Uh, I was raised on the banks of the Salmon River up in central Idaho where my uh, dad had a, an outfitting and guide business, a guide business down the Salmon River and on the middle fork of the Salmon River. And then he also had um, the outfitting component of that into the back country um, just out of salmon there. And so I got an early start learning to love Idaho's natural resources and um, Idaho agriculture. We also had um, a good number of sows and cows and horses. And I will tell you that uh, I don't like pigs to this day. I, I started my 4-H and I think this is a national 4-H week. We're kicking off national 4-H week this week. So I really kind of cut my teeth, if you will, um, in agriculture, uh, so to speak, um, with 4-H. With and my very first project was a pig and my one and only year in 4-H for, uh, for, for, for the swine project. I realized how quickly that I, I loved cattle and I loved the industry and I switched right into a middle, immediately into showing 4-H uh, steers and did that through my high school career and just recognized how, how valuable um, the, the livestock industry was, was to Idaho. And then I also did a little bit of rodeoing before going on to college at the University of Idaho getting my degree in ag economics where I met uh, Valine's dad uh, my sophomore year. Uh, we graduated in May of 1990 and we got married uh, that summer as well. 
uh, neither one of us had a job out of college. We came, um, we came, we graduated, you know, off of, off of the heels of the 1980s. Uh, you ladies talked about that in one of your first pod podcasts, and that came off the, the years of the dairy buyout, um, high interest rates. My dad um, threatened me that if I studied um, either agriculture or education that he would not pay for my schooling. Thankfully, that was <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. I uh, did. Uh, I started in communications and realized that my love really was agriculture, and so moved very quickly to the College of Ag and, and ended up getting a bachelor's degree in agriculture economics. But because of the poor ag economy, we moved immediately back to Bill's uh, Century Farming and Ranching, or Century Ranch here in Jerome, um, after we got married. And uh, you know, then I took a job with Idaho Power Reading Meters. Uh, Bill's mom, uh, Valiant's dad got, or Valiant's dad's mom, Valiant's grandma, um, got got terminal cancer, and I opted to to quit my job with uh, with the with the utility company and come back to the ranch full time. And I've not regretted that decision. It's allowed allowed me the opportunity to to really understand. The, the beef business from farm to fork. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a privilege for me to, uh, to, you know, be involved in leadership from the local level, from the Desert Gold Cowbells um, <laughs> level, um, all the way to, to state and national leadership. And I, I really, it's an honor and a privilege for me to, to serve. And, and I had a, uh, I had a wise old gentleman one time tell me that, uh, we all owe a little bit of time and energy to those industry organizations that represent us. And so I'm just, you know, I'm privileged to be a mom and I'm privileged to, to continue uh, the, the ranching legacy that, that we've got right here in Jerome. Well, thanks for that introduction, Mom. And I guess one question I have right off the bat is with your variety of different roles, and how you got so involved at an early age and your passion sparked. How do you recommend millennials get started or take that initiative to get into leadership roles? Because sometimes, like for Catherine and I, we, we feel like we want to get involved, but we just don't sometimes know how. That's, a, that's always a good question and a question that I get asked often. And I think it starts at home. I think it starts in your communities, identifying you know, where your interests lie, where you want to give your time and then you know starting starting slow starting you know asking questions about about that organization how can you serve that organization how can you how can you better serve the mission you know how do you help them set up the board you know what is the board of directors responsibility you know really and then making you know making it better setting your goals when you get in there you know just really better understanding it and then how can i better serve this organization and perhaps it's just a simple you know parent teacher organization or maybe a a school board or perhaps volunteering with a local hospital but maybe it's getting involved in those industry organizations that represent you whether it be the dairy industry on on Catherine's side or the beef industry on your side get involved with the cattle and get involved with your local cattle associations your local dairy associations and then that will evolve you know if you are interested even in maybe to a state position and then you can go on you know beyond that but start locally set 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 your goals 
small in the beginning. Network, build relationships. I think that is probably one of the most critical components of, of being involved in these organizations is really developing those relationships. Relationships building is, is um, key to, to networking and that networking is a key to, to your involvement and the key to your success, if you will. Um, in these in these you know local local associations, but but don't be afraid get uncomfortable You know uh, go to a group that maybe you don't know you know neither one of you are from Colorado You know this is a perfect opportunity to to meet new people and to you know be uncomfortable and and find out What makes them tick which may be different than what makes you tick but collectively? You know together you all will will make a difference and and I think the most important part is is to get involved thank you mom for that um you talk about networking and i've been fortunate enough and i think Catherine too to know what networking is but what how would you define networking for those that maybe haven't been involved or what or don't know the industry sector you know i think it starts with a conversation i think it starts with asking questions of somebody else um a lot of times if you develop a relationship with somebody else and you're asking questions uh, of them about you know their interests and their thoughts and their opinions you know and and really not sharing yours asking more questions and giving answers that's the first step in my opinion to net to networking is to really really find out and be curious about those other people and then Oftentimes, they will have additional information that will help fill your quiver with all that information you're going to need to be successful. So that's the first thing. Be curious, ask a lot of questions, and then, you know, at some point in this group, you're going to be able to offer forward your experience, whether it be in agriculture, whether it be in engineering, whether it be in the beef business, whether it be in the dairy business, you're going to be able to say, hey, you know, I had that, I had that experience, or hey, you know, I know so-and-so that will be able to help you here. And I think developing those relationships, you know, looking them in the eye when you have that conversation with them, shaking their hand, those are some of the softer skills in, in, in that networking and building those relationships that will carry you on, you know, not only today, but in many, many years to come. Trust is huge. Develop that trust with those folks and continue on. Awesome. Do you see the same trust in agriculture as you do, say, at the state house or in other leadership roles you've seen? Because I, I feel like in agriculture, we, we lean a lot on that trust factor. Um, but is that, and maybe we're, Catherine and I see it all the time and like, oh yeah, we trust our clients. We have that relationship, but it's based in ag. Is that the same thing in other industries, do you think? Well, I think in agriculture, we all feel very comfortable with one another because we understand what production agriculture is. We know what the sacrifices are. And many have you know, gotten their hands dirty and cut their teeth in the good times and the bad times um, with, with all of us, you know, managed through the, the volatility of commodity pricing and so forth. And so, you know, I think that there's going to be, you know, I think you really have to develop those relationships to determine what that trust factor is. But your question of, you know, I don't know, I, I relate better at this point in, in my life and my career with, with those in the agricultural community at this point, because I know I've been, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to work with so many 
different groups that I know where to go for that information and who to trust to give me the right information for me to make the better decisions. I'm still kind of gaining that trust at the state legislature. I am just a freshman. You know, they don't know me. I don't know many of them. And it's about developing those relationships. And so much like I've done in the, in the beef industry, I'm, I'm laying that or applying that to, to the state legislature, you know, developing those relationships and finding out who I can trust because there are good people. Idaho really is an amazing place to not only live, but to raise your family and I think continue to empower the future generation. But I do think that it, it sometimes takes time to build those relationships in order to be effective in, in moving, you know, the mission or the strategic vision of, you know, either your organization or even the state forward. We've got to develop a plan. I've got to take the time to develop those relationships and that trust. Yes, I probably have more trust um, with our ad community right now because I, I know where to go for that information and how to how to get there, even with our natural resource industry. Really better understanding, you know, the other layers will take me a little bit of time. But, you know, ask me that question, girls, in another, you know, five or ten years, and maybe my answer might be just a little bit different. <laughs> No. Well, Lori, I've got, um, I think everything that you're saying is, is fantastic and, and we can relate to it very well. I think um, your points about trust are very, very salient, especially right now um, in agriculture, because we, you know, we're struggling right now in Production Act to gain consumers trust and to keep it. And what you're calling for, it sounds like, and it's not something that I'm very good at, but it sounds like patience and time to be able to build those relationships and and build something that is, you know, built on rock, not on sand. And how can, I guess, a question that I have is where do you think agriculture is maybe going a little bit wrong in, in trying to build those relationships with consumers, you know, because of all the, the mistrust and fear that's out there, and how can we get better at it? Well, I appreciate, Catherine and Valine, that you guys are trying to address that that uh, that question and that's going to be uh, a question I think that that we all struggle with for many years to come I know you know in my leadership roles over the last 20 years even on a national level you know working with some of our national beef checkoff um, marketing and promotion and research it, it it's a challenge and I think that we have to be transparent and and by being transparent I think we have to talk about the good but we've also got we can't be afraid about talking about some of the challenges we have. And, you know, it's many people say they need to walk a mile in our shoes. That is, that is so very true. I, I want them to, to, you know, go spend some time on, on your family's dairy. I invite them out here to, you know, Idaho and to spend some time with us here in Idaho or even, you know, on the ranch in Nevada to really kind of see what we are and how focused on our families we are, how focused on, on the environment we are, how focused we are on the soil health, how focused we are in taking care of the resources, you know, and how focused we are in taking care of our families. And I don't think we can share that enough. And I think we've got to continue to empower the future generation. You know, Catherine, I think that we've got to, you know, 4-H and FFA are solid building blocks. I think you've got quite a background in FFA, but in Valine and FCCLA and, and 4-H and so forth. But I think we've got to continue to empower that next generation in continuing to share that story. And social media is huge. Um, you know, I'm not nearly as active as, as all of you, but 
again, some of those softer skills in sharing that message have got to be there. You know, sending sending a text message or engaging in in debate um, on social media is not going to get us there. It's having, you know, gaining the respect and working with the civility like you all have talked about in these podcasts. You know, we have got to, I think, be civil. I think that will continue to gain the, the consumer's respect if we can have those conversations about those difficult subjects and not throw a lot of um, emotion into it. But it starts at the top. I think that, you know, our generation has to set the tone. We have to set the tone for civility. We have to set the tone for respect. We've got to um, um, be able to have those difficult conversations, but have those difficult conversation in an environment or around a table or at a coffee shop um, and, and, and be respectful, listen to people, and you know we've just we've got to continue. This is this is something that's not going to change with my generation. It's not going to change with yours. But I think as long as we continue to tell our story and be transparent in those, invite people to sit down to a civil dialogue, and maybe be uncomfortable sometimes with what we're hearing. Perhaps we can change some minds one at a time. All great advice, and definitely, I think things that all of us can strive towards. I know. I mean, like I said before, I have a hard time with with patients, especially, and it can be tough to to keep civil, civility in conversations when they are emotionally charged, especially for those of us who are in production act. But it sounds like um, your your ideas definitely will take time, but will lead us right in the end. Um, so turning towards. Um, our generation, millennials, um, Valerie and I have talked about this a lot, and I think any millennial, you know, can can talk about a time when when they felt like this. But we often feel like we've been labeled pretty well into a corner as millennials. So, as the mother of millennials, as someone who I think has probably worked with millennials and seen a lot of millennials, what is your impression of millennials as a whole? Um, yeah, we'll start with that one. <laughs> Well, you know, I guess perhaps I am a bit biased and uh, let me let me fully disclose that first. You know, I am I am a parent of one millennial and one borderline millennial and and I had the <laughs> opportunity, you know, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to speak to a, a group of uh, millennials at the College of Southern Idaho um in the business and the culinary and the IT and the cybersecurity um uh departments and uh, yes, I think that, you know, you are products of our Generation X. So whatever challenges we may have with you have been brought on with us. I think we have to own that. I think we also have to recognize that you guys all bring a very valuable skill set to the table. You guys have, you're much more technologically advanced than than the generation x is you're seeing visions of how to change the conversation differently than the gen x or the baby boomer generation you guys are the ones navigating the future and regardless of of you know my thoughts of of the millennial generation or any other gen x's thoughts of the millennial generation you all are going to play a very very valuable role um, moving forward. And I challenge that group of millennials, much like I would challenge all of you and those listening to your millennial ag podcast, the three things I shared with them. One, you know, write it down and make it happen. You've got to set your goals. You've got to write it down 
and you've got to analyze those annually. The second thing I challenged them with was um, creating their own personal board of directors. And uh, then the third and final thing I challenged them with was really, really working on their soft skills, much like we talked about a handshake and a look in the eye, picking up the telephone and giving them a call so you can either hear the tone of their voice, don't shoot a text message to ask for a letter of recommendation. Give that person a call. You know, those are the simple things. Learn how to cook a pot roast, learn how to change a flat tire, you know, build, you know, build somebody else up show some empathy, you know, learn how to, you know, carry, carry jumper cables in your, in your pickup truck. You will be a hero in this colder weather, helping these, these college students out. If you know how to do those types of things, you know, don't be a bully. Those are, you know, there are some simple soft skills out there that, that I think are, are really necessary to, to move forward. Quite frankly, I, I'm excited to see what the millennial generation is going to bring to the table. And I think that it's important for our generation. And, and perhaps I, I have a different perspective. But, but I do think that you guys work hard. I think many of you, you know, maybe work harder in a different area or along different alleys than, than maybe my generation of, of building fence and, you know, 16, 18 hours a day, you know, feeding cattle and, and calving in the in the uh, you know blustery twenty degrees below you know weather, um, your idea of working hard may not be what my idea of physical working hard is. Maybe the things will be working for you, and I hope that that we can listen to to what you all have um, to say about what the future looks like and and the roadmap to get there. And and we may all have the same vision, but the roadmap may may, may vary. And I hope that the potholes and the detours. And the speed bumps, um, you know, all together, you know, I think we can we can move forward. Thanks for all that good advice, and it's it's reassuring, I think, for us to have have somebody from a different generation encourage us and support us and 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 mentor us through some of this. We often get bogged down or frustrated because we we haven't like I've spent a few long days on the desert with you guys, but I haven't spent the 14 days in a row of those 10 hour days in the blistering heat. I haven't, I haven't experienced that. Like I've had a few hard days, but for you to recognize that our experiences are different is, is re really reassuring. I think at least for me. Um, and you had also mentioned your personal board of directors and that, that term fascinates me. Could you maybe dive into that a little bit deeper on what you mean and maybe how to establish your personal board of directors? Well, let's digress, Valine, just a little bit um, to to that. Let's dissect or unpack that just a little bit. I think that the first component of, of building that board of directors and building your board of directors is establishing trust and building those relationships. And when you find those people that you trust and you want to emulate, whether it be um, spiritually, whether it be professionally, whether it be academically, those are the types of people that you want to put on your board of directors. You want to find those people that you trust, that you can reach out to them if you need a good, solid, either constructive criticism or you need a good, solid shoulder to give you that, you know, wrap their arm around you and say, we've got this and we have to stay, you know, at this together in order to move through it. And, um, you know, I've had 
I, I have my own personal board of directors is, is very broad. You know, I think we've got our accountants. I have my accountants. I have my banker. Well, I'm, I'm married to my banker, so I don't have my banker. <laughs> my banker is, is my, you know, he's probably my CFO, I guess, if we're going to draw, you know, between your executive, executive board and your, and your full board. But uh, so you've got your accountant, you've got your attorney, but I've got somebody to give me, you know, kind of, um, my, my moral and support um, compass. I've got a couple young people on my board of directors that maybe have that marketing, marketing background that I don't have that they're helping me with and then I'm helping them with. Um, you know, I have got, I would say, and I would say keep your board of directors relatively small. Um, I have got, I've got um, leadership legislators that are on my um, board of directors. I've also got people, well, I've had to change my board of directors because I've had some pass on. And they really have helped guide me in my leadership with the industry. And I'm re I have replaced them with others in leadership um, that have different skill sets that will complement mine, but also give me that tough love if I need it and tell me to suck it up buttercup when I need it or to put their arm <laughs> around me and say, you know, okay, this, why don't you try this? Or why don't you look at things differently? This maybe shouldn't have been done this way. And I appreciate that. And so I really think it's very important to establish trust, establish those relationships and put those people on your board of directors that you know you can pick up that phone and call them anytime for words of wisdom to help you get where you need to go. So one thing that you just talked about that um, Valerie and I have really been um, exposed to ever since we started this podcast is the feedback and you said suck it up buttercup and um, I think that that's a really important thing for um, any generation to learn but ours in particular and maybe it's just the stage of life that we're at but um, you know it can be really hard to hear critical feedback um, and you know getting used to to hearing that you're not perfect and you know, that could be something that millennials have been accused of, of struggling with before. But what are your suggestions to be able to take that feedback and turn it into something um, constructive and positive for yourself and not just dwell on, oh my gosh, I'm not perfect? You know, and that's, that's a difficult conversation. And I, I think that, you know, some of the mental health challenges we have now, especially in agriculture, could perhaps be relayed to that suck it up mentality, Catherine. And, and yes, I will go there. Um, and so I think we, we have to be able to, to find those people that support us, but allow that constructive criticism. And I think we have to recognize, you know, and if you're, you're going to get somebody that's going to bully you, you don't want them on your personal board of directors. You want, you want people that will support you and give you that, you know, I need to be told on occasion to suck it up. And then there's times I need somebody to say, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to get to this get through this together. I liken it a lot to maybe climbing my mountain bear stead with Valine a couple years ago. You know, I, I like to hike and I like to climb, but I wasn't prepared for that 14,000 footer. And Valine did a good <laughs> job of pointing out a rock a hundred yards down the road and say, okay, mom, here we go. We're going to go to that rock. Well, we went to that rock and we went to that rock and then we went to that rock. And then guess what? We got to 14,000 feet. And I think we have to look at, look Catherine at Things like that, one step at a four, one step, and we've got to go forward. You know, we may be pushed back, but we've got to continue to take that one incremental step forward. If you've got a bad day, and we're all going to have them. I mean, I'm, I, I understand. I've been there. But if you surround yourself with the right people, 
don't tolerate bullying, be part of a supportive network that empower each other, you know, gives you the, okay, you know, yeah, you're being a little whiny today, let's go and pick them up and move them on. But, you know, help move them forward. Just make, make sure that you surround yourself with people that you can trust. Don't surround yourself with bullies. And, um, you know, and, and be able to have some of those difficult conversations with those people in your inner circle that are not going to judge you. They're just going to give you the, the, tough, the tough love if you need it or the support if you need it. How do you also balance that with not getting too competitive with each other? Like Catherine and I talk a little bit about it and how we really try to balance each other out and not get too competitive with each other. But sometimes when you have people on your board of directors that are in the similar stage of life or, or striving towards similar goals, say in leadership or social media influencing or whatever, how do you balance not getting too jealous or helping build people up and not, not dwell in some of that negativity? You know, and, and quite frankly, I think being a woman in agriculture, I, I've seen maybe a little bit of that, a little bit of, you know, jealousy from, from former women leaders who have been afraid to help me along. And so that's kind of why I've had to, you know, rely on people like Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and, and some of those that weren't really, you know, in my reach out to give a telephone call to, but others that, that I aspired to kind of, you know, be driven with. Because there were, there were times, and I, I do think sometimes ladies, you know, and I hate to go down that route because, quite frankly, I think it, with gender we complement each other in agriculture really well. But I do think that within we need to, you know, and I think I saw something, we need to continue to crown other ladies. And they're going to have a skill set that's going to be different than yours. And we've got to continue to, you know, and, and I, that's been part of my goal in this whole process is to empower future leadership, empower young ladies, empower young men. And you're going to be in competition with them because you know what? There's going to be things that they're good at and there's going to be things that you, you're good at. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, patience, much like Catherine talked about a little bit earlier. I think we have to, you know, kind of get patience. We have to, we're all competitive. I mean, <laughs> Valiant knows me pretty well. I'm pretty darn competitive and I hate to lose, but I also <laughs> have gained, yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I also have gained a lot of patience over the years in, in recognizing how valuable it is for me to reach out to the younger generation, millennials and, and, you know, many, many just above you and, uh, you know, have those conversations and give them, you know, you can do this. Uh, and, you know, asking them their opinions or allowing them to call me and letting them vent and so forth. And, and do we end up in competition sometimes? Yeah, we probably do. But let's not let's not adjust anybody's crown. Let's let's support each other moving forward. And, and uh, you know, I think together we're going to build a stronger base. If we if we tear each other down, it's not going to happen. It just it's not going to happen. And we've got to we've got to build that. And I have to be. I have to be receptive to that next generation of young women um, to let them know what a valuable job they're serving. Because I don't know whether I got that. I got that from I got that from very few women um, in in the industry in as I was coming up. And I'm really excited now to be able to offer maybe what I didn't have there to other not only young women but also young men to say you are the future. And I'm excited to have you on my team because. I don't mind if you come, you know, come in and offer some thoughts and so forth because you really will, you know, take us take us forward in agriculture. I I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Well, I think that's great. That's great advice and kind of 
fun to think about because competition's natural and it's kind of fun to have that. But how can we, I think, especially going back to even our civil war conversations and stuff, you know, tearing each other down is going to get us nowhere in the, and competition is healthy and keeps us driving forward. But it also, we need to have a good, a good balance of it and continue to lift each other up and give high fives when somebody takes one step further or in a different direction than where we think they need to go. So thank you for that. Well, you mentioned Valine, um, I think in one of your podcasts, Brene Brown, and I think one of her things is shame. And I think that, you know, shame's a normal thing to feel. We shouldn't make other people feel shame. But I think it's, it's, we're, it's, it's wise to, you're going to get frustrated. There are going to be things, Catherine, you know, I know, Valine knows, there are going to be things that frustrate us to no end. And I see that sometimes in the legislature. Find that one person to either just vent to that will just listen and not offer forward any advice, but just be there or write it down. You know, Brene Brown said, go home, write it all down, journal it, then rip it up and throw it away or write that email and don't send it, you know, sit on it and just, and don't send it. You've got to prevail, you know, with a level head. So, you know, just don't, don't let somebody shame you, you know. You can get frustrated, but again, you've, you've got to go on. I had, a, I had a, a Basco tell me one time, you know, whereupon you enter a debate with a fool, at the end of the debate, nobody knows who the fool is. So <laughs> pause and step back and don't let somebody make you feel shame. You know, we can scream and holler all we want to that person, you know, at, or write it down and then... Let's go on and be professional, be civil about the whole thing. I really appreciate that advice because, I mean, those are all of the things that you've just been talking about are things that, you know, it's almost some of those soft skills that you had mentioned before that you don't get taught in high school or college. It's not a formal class. And, I mean, it sort of ends up being things that you have to stumble upon yourself and, um, you know, to really learn and learn sometimes through bad experiences that you, you need your own personal board of directors, that you need to be able to take feedback, et cetera, et cetera, what you were just saying. But, you know, I think being open and honest about about the fact that, you know, you need help to get through life is is um, just wonderfully refreshing to hear because life is hard and we don't have to make it hard by you know, keeping secrets about stuff that we all have to experience. And, you know, I, I don't mean keeping secrets in a bad way. It's just not something that's really ever been talked about before, at least that I've experienced. And, and you know, just letting, just just opening up and, and you know, letting, letting other people know, hopefully in our generation, maybe in other generations who haven't been able to find, you know, the answers to some of the things they're struggling with. Um, I appreciate you just being totally forthright about this and how important it is. It all starts with a conversation. And the hardest part is just getting going with it. Absolutely. <laughs> We've talked about that in the last few weeks, right, Val? <laughs> just rip the Band-Aid off sometimes. Well, don't be afraid to have those difficult conversations, ladies. And uh, um, I think that, you know, let's bring everybody to the table. I think you're starting here with this, this podcast. Um, and, and your listeners, I hope that, you know, I hope you have a little bit of urban and rural mix in your, in your listening background that maybe your, um, urban 
folks will reach out to the rural folks, maybe the rural folks will reach out to the urban folks and have some of those difficult conversations about, you know, how, how we keep agriculture viable, you know, not only in this next decade, but, but in, this, in this next century, you know, and, and beyond. Because long after I'm gone, it's going to be you and our offspring and, and, our, and the following generation that, that will have to continue these conversations. And so if we start now with those civil conversations and the civil dialogue, sometimes about those difficult subjects, I think we're going to we're going to go a long ways. Well, thank you, Mom, and it was a pleasure having you on this week. And we're so excited to continue some of this conversation and have you back on in the future. Um, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us, provide feedback, and submit your questions. Our email address is Catherine at MillennialAg.com. That is K- Catherine with a K A T H. A-R-I-N-E. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, rate us on your favorite podcast platform.